Welcome to Tremendous Tales with Liz Pichon. That's me. I write and draw all the Tom Gates books and other books like Shoe Wars. But for this brand new podcast, I'll be chatting to my brilliant guests about some very important things like snacks in Snack Chat. We'll also get to hear about their own tremendous tale and a tremendous fail because everyone makes mistakes. You can play along with What's That Sound and find out what tremendous book they'll be recommending. So my guest today is the amazing Owen Colfer, and Owen is an Irish author whose best-selling Artemis Fowl novels have sold more than, are you ready for this, 25 million copies worldwide. Hey! <laughs> Famous actor and director Kenneth Brannan directed the movie version for Disney, and Owen's books have won numerous awards, including the British Children's Book of the Year, the Irish Book Awards Children's Book of the Year, the German Children's Book of the Year. The BBC made a hit series based on his book, Half Moon Investigations. Owen also writes crime novels featuring Irish bouncer Daniel McAvoy. Owen has collaborated with some of his favourite writers and artists, including Oliver Jeffers, Andrew Donkin, Giovanni Rigano and PJ Lynch on various projects. Owen has just finished two-year term as Ireland's Children's Laureate and was delighted to be allowed to play around with the Iron Man character in his 2016 novel, The Gauntlet. For theatre, Owen has written the books for, music for the musicals The Lords of Love and Noel and scripts for the plays Holy Mary and My Real Life. Owen lives in Dublin, Ireland, with his wife and two sons. And after such a long list of amazing achievements, we're now going to talk to Owen about some other very important things, like snacks. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. I, my, my cunning plan was to write such a long introduction that there wouldn't be much time left for me to actually have to do anything. So I'm, <laughs> I feel foiled. I feel foiled. And uh, I, I feel I'm going to be overworked, but, you know, I'm game. Snack chat. When I was a kid, um, I was very obsessed with, whenever I was coming back from school, I was always thinking about what I was going to eat. And one of the reasons yeah. that I put caramel wafers in the Tom Gates books is because I just, that's one of my favourite oh. snacks. And I never realised it was going to end up being such a big part of the books. What have you chosen, Owen? And why? And before, before I get to that, I have to ask you an important question is, how oh, yeah. did you eat caramel wafers? What was your method Oh. Of eating a, a caramel wafers. <laughs> that tells a lot about a person, how they go about that. It really depended on how many caramel wafers there were and how oh, hungry I was. That's good, if there good was answer. more than one of them around and I knew that I could eat one quickly, then yeah. and there was a prospect for another one, <laughs> then I'd just yeah. eat it normally. Just. But if I knew I was going to have to make it last, then I would try and sort of eat it in layers. And oh, the layers. And my, my snack is a very Irish snack, and it's a brand of crisp uh, called Tato, T-A-Y-T-O, which are a legend in Ireland. And they're so popular that we have a theme park called Tato Park, uh, where you can go and eat crisps and slide down crisps and wear <laughs> crisps. That. Have you been? But, uh, no, I haven't, as I'm a grown-up. So I think <laughs> I, I possibly, I would have to... I would have to find some young children and bring them. My kids are far too old uh, for that. But as a youth, um, uh, I loved the Tato so much. And I would extend the life of a bag of Tato by just putting them in my mouth and letting them dissolve, which kind of ruins the point of crisps because you need to have that crunch. What I loved about the Tato was back in the 70s, uh, Liz and Mark, I don't know if you remember, but there was a brief period where chemicals were very popular. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> None of this organic stuff. It was all the more chemicals you can stuff into a snack, the better. And even on te- television, it was all, you know, for mash, get smashed. Don't use potatoes, which no. are all over the place. Get this robot mash stuff. And I think Tato used to be a bit like that in that they were cheese and onion. Then uh, that was very aspirational. It was a very, very strong flavor. And if you had a Tato, then you were done standing close to people uh, <laughs> for for the day. And uh, I think they were possibly radioactive. And uh, when I was one of my jobs was writing a musical with a friend of mine. And we had, we had a song about growing up in the 70s uh, and it was a child of the 70s. And it said um, uh, organic food didn't mean a thing to me. My mama's favorite letter was E. And that is how it worked. <laughs> In Ireland, uh, I think the famine scarred us, so we just ate everything we could, and it was most, <laughs> it was mostly chemical. But so I have very fond memories of just uh, getting a bag of potato. I don't know if you've done this. Mm-hmm. Oh, smashing. Actually, oh, you've got one. We have them oh, here. You've got them there. You've yes. got them there. Uh, this so is why we were very you, excited. You open them slightly, and then you just smash them, and then it just takes like four hours, and you just have to dip a finger in, and you come out with like a tato popsicle finger. And you just eat eat them for the entire. I don't know. Afternoon. That sounds like the sort of. One of my sisters used to do this thing where we are rustling around. She used to do this thing where she would actually come up and <laughs> crunch the bag. Yeah. So that they and that was really annoying because you wanted to eat the crisps like normally, but she'd come up and just like crunch them into tiny bits in your hand, yeah. like squash oh, yeah. your hand around it so they were all really smashed up. But. No, I have to admit, actually, when the bag of crisps arrived, I um, I did pinch one early. Yeah. So the, these crisps were, they started in 1954. They're 66 yeah. years old. And apparently companies worldwide sought to buy the rights to the Tato technique. Yeah. Tato crisps are a cultural phenomenon throughout uh, much of the Republic of Ireland. So much so that in November 2010, like you said, Tato opened their own theme park called the Tato yeah. Park. Park. <laughs> I'm going to have to say, obviously, children listening, uh, there are other snacks available and carrot sticks <laughs> are very delicious too. You don't have to have crisps and chocolate and all the rest of it. Yeah. I always do say that as well. I'm, um, I mean, we've written songs about chips and all kinds of things and i always have to add the vegetables in as well saying yeah well chip, technically are... technically yeah technically it's a vegetarian snack yeah tremendous tales well the second part of this podcast is talking about a tremendous tale and yeah. you know some of the things that are that i did when i was a kid i've used those stories very much and i've put them in the tom gates books and so yeah. It was an idea about how things are happening to you now or happened to you when you were a child, you know, just about where stories come from. Uh, it's always the biggest question that I always get asked is, where do you get your ideas from? I think that's the number one yeah. question I always get asked. So we've given this yeah. uh, opportunity for you to tell us a tremendous tale, Owen. Have you got a tremendous tale that you'd like to share? I've got loads. I think I get that question all the time. Mm. Um, where do you get your ideas from? Or who, who gave you the idea that that was the right thing to do? That's usually from my family members. I think kids don't think they have interesting lives. You know, they think, mm-hmm. oh, well, I could, there's nothing happening in my life. I, there's nothing worth writing a story about. But I, I don't believe that because in a child's world, everything is shrunken down. And I remember when I was 12 or 10, I knew every stone in the garden. I knew every tree, you know, every plant, every leaf. Uh, I knew where there was ponds. You don't really know that as an adult. You don't pay the same attention to the, the bigness of the smallness. So... I encourage kids just, you know, think about your own life uh, and then to 
make that point. I tell them about how, you know, driving in a car when you're little can be a very exciting thing. And we, we had a, uh, one of these cars that was a Renault 4. I don't know if you remember those, but mm-hmm. they were very boxy French cars with a strange yeah. gear stick. And uh, the nice thing about those was you could climb over the back seat into the trunk or the boot. And there's five boys in our family. So my dad cut up a bit of foam rubber and he put it in the boot. And the lucky two boys were allowed <laughs> to travel in that glide down with their books so this was amazing and uh, obviously there were no seatbelts anywhere so yeah. because kids were expendable so it, <laughs> I remember driving home and if my dad went around a corner we would all pile up the five boys and then we would all be punching each other he hit me he smelled me <laughs> he's breathing my air and it was just a big free-for-all and uh, so my, what my father would do to combat this is he would start to tell a story so this was an audiobook before audiobooks. And I just thought this was completely magical. Mm. He would just pluck story from the air. And I just thought, how is, he doesn't have a book. How is this possible that he's just making up a story? Uh, and it was my first experience of the magic of storytelling. And he knew his audience, I have to say. There were very violent stories about <laughs> Vikings. Uh, my mother would be horrified. My dad would say, and then Eric the Viking chopped the head of four people with his sword, brain biter, haha. And we would be, yes, father. That's amazing. <laughs> and my mother would tag in and try and like bring it back down. And she would say, but then Eric decided that maybe he should turn his sword into a shovel and open a garden center. And we'd be like, boo, get off. You're terrible. Uh, and one time my, uh, I was in the trunk with one of my brothers and we were lying down and we were getting lost in the world of the Vikings. But one my one, one of my brothers just kept interrupting. I, I forget what was wrong with him, but he'd just say, you know, are we there yet? What's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, well, what color is the sky? You know, just ridiculous off-topic questions. Uh, and then uh, we went over a humpback bridge. And this was a very old car and the trunk opened. Oh no. And the loud brother fell out the trunk. <laughs> you didn't give him a little extra push there, Owen. I did not. How dare you, Liz? No, <laughs> but And then we went off the bridge and the trunk closed and my father kept talking and we realised he doesn't know that my brother fell out the trunk. <laughs> so we looked at each other and nobody said anything, but there was a real conspiratorial kind of a look where we... We were asking ourselves the same question. Do we want our brother back or do we want to hear the rest, <laughs> the rest of this story? And there was nothing said, but my older brother just gave one wink and we not a word was said and we got home uh, and my mother lined us up beside the car to count because, you know, five, five brothers, you have to count them. So she went one, two, three, four and look, where's number five? And what we decided to do in that moment, in our wisdom, was to convince my mother there never had been a number five. So we were like, what are you talking about? You know, where's the other guy? What other guy? What are you talking about, mom? I think you had a long labor there with the last. You're gone a bit. I don't think there was never any. And we got, uh, of course, that didn't work. And we eventually confessed that he was 10 miles back at the side of the bridge. <laughs> and was Possibly, it really 10 miles? It was actually 13 miles. <gasps> Poss- possibly alive, but we couldn't. We we couldn't be sure about that. And we went back and he was fine. He was like sitting there with a big, you know, scowl on his face. But I think I think everybody, uh, everyone learned a lesson that day. Uh, we <laughs> yes. learned we learned that my mother could Locked count to five. 
And uh, my brother learned that we really didn't like him interrupting stories. So I think <laughs> I think it worked out well. And when okay. I tell that story to kids, they do love it and they do laugh and they in- invariably have a brother or a cousin or a sister who's interrupting all the time. So it kind of connects with them. Yeah. And uh, then they start thinking about that person and did they, did they ever do something funny and you get loads of stories coming in and you just, all you say is don't mention any names and tell me about this person. And I would probably use it in a book and get a trilogy out of it. So. <laughs> what I want to know now is um, I'd love to hear your brother's version of that story. I made the mistake. Somebody asked me how old I was on one of these events. And I said, well, how old do you think I am? And then they said it ranged between 81 and 36. And that's a, like, that's oh. such a rookie error, Liz. How could <laughs> yes. you? Like as a seasoned professional like yourself. So we're coming towards the exciting uh, part of the podcast where we're going to ask you to um, guess th- what's that sound. <laughs> The look on Owen's face, the fact that we've got, we've got, we're playing. You've got jingles, you've got jingles. jingles. This is like quality stuff, (laughs) quality stuff. Oh yes, we've got lots of jingles here. So do you want to have a listen to this sound and see if you can guess what it is? And we'll come back to it later as well. Okay. What well, was that? Was that the sound, or was there something wrong with the microphone? Um, <laughs> I, was it sound. a? Ta- it sounded like a tap running. It sounded to me like a, a tap running. It could uh, be a forceful, a forceful tap. Well, so we'll with a, good we'll... pressure, I would. I don't know what it is. Bars is it bars of pressure. I would say a high bar pressure tap, possibly in the back of a restaurant, maybe a McDonald's, but it could be Burger <laughs> King. I don't want to be too precise. It could be Burger King. You're not far wrong on that. So what we're going to do, we're going to ask you to tell us a, another story, a tremendous okay. fail, and then we'll come back afterwards. And because, of course, everybody will be desperate to know the answer to that, won't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's a way to keep those keep those yeah. listeners listening. Tremendous fail. So, yeah, we've called this section Tremendous Fail. And I said, because everybody makes mistakes. And actually, sometimes yeah. you quite often learn a lot more from when things go wrong than when they actually go right. So um, what do you think your tremendous fail? What would you like to tell this, our, listen- I'm gonna say like, our listener yeah, about? Our listener. Um, so I would just like to tell our listener, who is Mr. Boris J from London, that uh, my tremendous fail, as of which there has been so many uh, that I really had to think, which was possibly the least embarrassing. And uh, <laughs> About five years ago, uh, I was asked by, I forget which publisher, um, to do a Doctor Who novella. Oh. They were doing these 13 doctors and um, would I do one? I said, who, who else is doing it? And they said, well, Neil Gaiman is doing it. I said, right, <laughs> I'm in. So I had never, and to the, I have never watched Doctor Who and I had never watched it. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be fun uh, and interesting to try and do a Doctor Who novella having never watched uh, any of the Doctor Whos? Right. And, uh, and I answered myself, yes, it would. And so... <laughs> I did this about the first Doctor um, and uh, I wrote this story and there was like sword fights and fake hands and uh, spaceships and I thought it was amazing and I was very delighted with myself Uh, and then uh, it came out Uh, and apparently uh, the Doctor Who fans are quite serious about being fans and they Mm -hmm. don't like people, they don't really approve of people dipping their toe (laughs) Into the into the TARDIS waters, uh, they really no. have to. So they like ripped me to shreds, and I was I was amazed. I was like, "What? It's a great story." 
But even it was so bad that even the guy who did the audiobook commented on his own feed that he didn't really like it either, but he had to do it contractually. (laughs) So, but my, the, the one that really got through to me, I think the one criticism was one of my best mates and he's a fellow called Declan uh, Dempsey from Wexford. And uh, he is brilliant at giving kind of the backhanded compliments <laughs> Which is actually an insult. And so his he said to me, he said, uh, oh, and I said, yes, Dick. He said, you know that um, Doctor Who story you wrote? And I said, yes. He said, that was the best Star Trek story I've ever read. So, <laughs> <laughs> so not only did he make me laugh, he also insulted me. And that is not easy to do. So when, And there was good. a little compliment in there. But so my advice would be if you're going to do... Any story you are going to do, no matter how short or brief or how limited the circulation, take it seriously. And Mm -hmm. the the ones to take most seriously are the funny ones because they're probably the hardest to do. So um, I I learned from that not to kind of dash off a casual story because, you know, I've sold loads of books and everything I do is going to be amazing. But so that that was my lesson, and I thought that's good for young, young writers to know. Is it's really good. Don't be casual. Don't be casual. Be take it seriously. And it's interesting as well what you said about funny writing, because I think yeah. when I did the Tom Gates book, I mean, I'd, I'd done picture books beforehand, and in fact, it started off as a picture book first, and then gradually yeah. morphed into a book for older children. But I, my premise was I just wanted to try and write a book that I thought I would have liked to have read and I used to really like uh, reading funny books with lots of pictures and drawings and to try and put all the things that I loved when I was a kid into the books and I think sometimes because it has so many pictures in it and you know you quite often hear that that people tend to think that you know you don't work as hard on them (laughs) (laughs) and also trying to make them funny as well you know it's actually I'm not trying to get the smallest violin in the world out but it's it is quite hard trying to make books funny Uh, yeah it is and and I sometimes when you're you're telling people what you do they kind of give you a look of pity like oh would you ever write a real novel and you're like yeah "Eh, eh, eh, I do write real novels yeah (laughs) Something so, serious. Are you going to write it like a proper book? Would you ever do something for grown-ups? Which you yeah. have done as well. So, Well, it's, I t- let me tell you, Liz, it is no harder. So mm. I I thought it would. this is going to be really hard. I'm going to have to think. I'm going to have to use my brain more. But actually, I find the kid stuff harder to write because uh, every word has to be perfect or as perfect as you can make it. Um, so... Yeah, I, w- I would say that kid stuff is harder to do for me. And yeah. my, some of my, adult, well, I've written four or five adult books and the two of them have done brilliantly, even better than the kids' books. But I've, I did find them a lot easier to write than the adult stuff. And the kids, the kids are very, stuff. you know, they know what they like and what they don't like. They don't mess around, you know, if yeah. they're not going to enjoy something. Oh, they'll let you know br- they're brutal like, <laughs> yes. Artemis Fowl the first two Artemis Fowls were great the rest of them are rubbish and they just <laughs> they will tell you this and you'll say that you're my son you can't say that to me but but they will literally come up to you in a queue and say I'm not buying your new book because I hate it but I'm will you sign this old one uh, they're yeah. just they're just vicious uh, or but give you somebody else's kind of, book to sign who are you oh, I, I always I, get, uh, you get asked things uh, like are you famous and I'm like well, if you're asking me, then probably not. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Alex Ferguson's book, that's the most off-topic book I ever got to sign. Some kid would sign this book. I love football and my teacher made me come. So uh, just, <laughs> so, so you, you just, you say, okay, what are you going to say? Okay, no problem. Yeah, okay, I'll sign that. <laughs> that's, yeah. really, that's a good one. I've 
But everybody's desperate to find out what the answer to What's That Sound? What's that sound? Oh, is it a shower? I'm changing my guest. Change my guest to shower. It, it is water. It is actually torrential rain uh, oh. on, on a stairwell. Exactly. And we thought we'd pick torrential That's... rain because... As you said, Mark's from also Ireland. from Dublin. And yeah. I don't think I've... I think I've only ever been once when it hasn't been raining. I've seen... When we first met, we did a drive around the, in around Ireland and I saw most of it through a wet windscreen. <laughs> well, you see, my, my, my difficulty there was that we only have bungalows in Ireland, so no, no stairwells. So I wouldn't oh. have heard that part- particular sound. It's, all, <laughs> it's planning regulations gone, gone mad. That's the problem. <laughs> Yeah, well, so it was just torrential rain of some torrential kind. So rain. that's that's rain. what it sounds like. And actually, yeah. not that long ago, you could have heard it here as well. So Owen is I actually know. basking in Dublin in sunlight, and it's yeah. pouring with rain in in Brighton at the moment. I'm asking all my guests to recommend a tremendous book of some kind, either uh, something from your childhood, something that's out now. Um, so, what tremendous book would you like to recommend, Owen? Um, I would like to recommend a book from my own childhood, which is called Stig of the Dump, which I'm sure I'm, I'd be surprised if someone hasn't mentioned it already. But um, for me, that was a game changer. Um, I remember my mother got me that book. Uh, I was sick uh, at home for a couple of days and she, she got this book from a secondhand shop. And uh, I was really lucky that my parents encouraged reading so much and that it was really nurtured. Um, but I read this book and up to that point, I seem to remember that most of the books I had read had very, you know, square jawed heroes and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, very beautiful heroines. And it was all very stereotypical. And even though I enjoyed the books, I didn't feel that I, there was a door into that book for me. I, I felt that if I was there, I would be watching these people have that adventure. Mm. But with Stig of the Dump and Barney, I felt, oh my goodness, this guy would actually might be my pal if I was there I would be in that gang and 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 that was a way into the book for me so uh, and of course it's a brilliant book brilliantly written and it has all the uh, it has a hideout in the chalk pit they go into the past uh, into the Neolithic age it just has everything and it's beautifully written and it's funny and it's about families and friendships so if you haven't read Stig of the Dump and I believe it was a it was made into a series about 10 years ago, I think mm. by the BBC, BBC, but I would read the book first. And uh, Did you read it and, to your boys? Uh, listen, no. I, to read stories to my boys, I have to fight my way into the room, kneel on their <laughs> chest, <laughs> hold their eyelids open. And uh, so, no, I did, we, did re- we did read everything, but I, I think we did, never got further. Uh, we never really got further than, uh, we never got into novels. Shameless plug. This is your opportunity, Owen. You've got so many things going on. I know you've got a, a, the the Foul Twins deny all charges. Is that right? Yes, that's that coming is out right. on the twenty seventh of May. So, yeah. would you like to tell us a bit more? This is your chance for your shameless plug to tell us everything that you want to about your work. What's oh, going I'm on? so bad at plugging because I think it, it's a very Irish thing. You don't like blowing your own trumpet, you know. So it's much. So that's why I brought this person. <laughs> no, I haven't. So it's basically it's the second book in in the. Plan trilogy about uh, Miles and Beckett Fowl, who are Artemis's little brother and twins, and they hook up with a uh, an officer from the LEP, uh, and they go off to America, 
and they get blown up in a jet. There's some fart jokes, uh, a crash or two. There's a semblance of a plot. I mean, it doesn't really hold together, but there's a lot of jokes and everyone, nobody dies. Then that's really all I can. If you liked the rest of my books, you would possibly uh, like this. And it's got a very good cover. Very dynamic. It's got an excellent cover. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I've been working on the foul books now for, oh, 20 something years. So I've just finished writing the third book, which is called The, the Foul Twins Get What They Deserve. <gasps> and that's coming out next year. And that's that's it. Then I'm retiring the it? entire family. Do you know what else you've got? Have you got ideas for, of course you have, but have you got? Well, I'm doing two. Uh, I've got three picture books coming out over the next two years and one graphic novel. Wow. And I also have a standalone ghost story, which I'm working on. Uh, and uh, we have a Christmas musical tour in North America this Christmas. I think there's, there are, there'll be more people on stage than in the audience, according to the regular. <laughs> That's the regulations. So, At the moment. Uh, but I do love theatre because it's so immediate yeah. and uh, you can see your, your uh, words coming to life or not. And a good actor can just do so much uh, with Did you say it was with, a musical? It's a musical, so I write the lyrics oh. and I have a, a, a composer friend of mine, Liam Bates, he does the music and we've worked together on several things, including the aforementioned disco comedy musical, which was my favourite. And uh, so we've done this and it's been, this is its third tour, so it's gone really well. So we're very happy with that. Excellent. Oh, well, I'll put all the information when the podcast comes out. We'll put all the links and the information so everyone can Thank see you. what you're up to. And you've just finished, it says, two years of being the um, children's laureate in Ireland. Yeah. And, uh, that was a while back. Uh, PJ oh. took over for me, actually. Oh, okay. So, but uh, it was such fun. We traveled the country doing readings in places that wouldn't normally get writers. So, for example, we stuffed uh, ten writers onto a lifeboat and went to an island off north of Ireland, Tory Island, uh, and there was actually uh, more writers, I think, than kids in the school. And <laughs> if you ever want to see if writer vomit is the same as ordinary human vomit well then just stuff <laughs> stuff eight of them on a lifeboat and yeah. uh, I was the only one having grown up at sea who didn't get violently ill and even worse I am the kind of mean person who laughs at you when you're getting ill at sea <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all no, what <laughs> but one person I mean I can't be blamed one person's dentures went so I had to you've got to laugh at that I mean you wouldn't be human. You'd be a you'd be a Borg or a Dalek if if, if you didn't. <laughs> I laugh can at see that. that image already. <laughs> Your letters. I'm sure you get lots and lots of letters from children as well, but I got a particular letter here. This is from a, a little girl called Florence. So one of the things that she wrote to me is saying that I think your books are amazing because they take me to different land and they aren't boring. That's always a good thing, That's isn't nice. it? That's nice. Good. Yeah, it's a good yeah. start. Uh, here are two important questions that I would like to ask you. So I thought I'd throw them to you as well, Owen. Um, okay. Is it hard to think of your ideas for books? And do you like writing books? Uh, well, first of all, Florence, uh, I love your albums. So thanks for writing <laughs> in. Um, it's it's not, I, I have the problem of too many ideas. Mm. Uh, but you ha I think what you have to do, what's hard is to find out which is a good idea and which is a really bad idea and which idea is a little bit like another idea you had or another book that you read so you have to be choosy with your ideas but once you start on that idea or once you get to a certain point and for me that point is 10,000 words once I get to 10,000 words I have to finish mm -hmm. I'm not stopping so I, I have I say to myself right 
I'm on this horse till the end of the race. Uh, so that's my cutoff point. And do I like writing? Most of the time. You know, mm. sometimes I'm tired and grumpy, but most of the time I go out to my office. Um, I can play my own music, which is usually something from the 80s, like Kate Bush or Pink Floyd. Uh, the only place I can have all my own books and not feel self-conscious uh, is is out in the in the office. So I'm out there and I have my David Bowie print looking down over me and uh, it's just a really happy place and I think I'm very lucky to have that space and a lot of people don't but I had promised myself that um, I would at some point have an office in the garden so that's what I have now. With your secret stash of Tato crisps in the corner that nobody Tato crisps just dissolving them on my tongue (laughs) over the hours. Well all I can say is thank you so much for taking part in this podcast Um, you've been absolutely brilliant we've enjoyed listening to all your stories all your advice um, all your tales and one of the things um, that we do with the Tom Gates books is I give out uh, special badges so red badges for extra creative stuff and there's blue badges for if they've done something in sport or and green badges Mm -hmm. a bit like the blue Peter badges for eco and other sort of recycling projects but we also give out for people that have done incredibly good very special gold Tom Gates badge for everything that you've done in literacy and children's books so here we are I'm holding it up so we are going to send to you via very slow post your very own gold Tom Gates badge to wear when (laughs) when you started talking about badges I said this better end with me getting a badge I don't care I, I don't care about those kids getting badges about yeah. for sport. I want a, I want a gold one. And there so it this, is. Worked, this has worked out very well indeed. You very have a well gold indeed. Tom Gates badge. Thank so you, will, Liz. I will pop Ooh. that in the post for you with a little, a do, little thank do. you card as well. With, so. Like obviously with the 10,000 euro fee as well. But yeah, you know, mainly, mainly, mainly the badge, mainly the badge. Well, with the empty so. packet of Tato crisps. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you so much. You've been absolutely yeah. brilliant. I know that oh. everyone's going to really enjoy listening to all your stories and everything. Oh, so um, I, had a, I had a lovely time and I hope this runs and runs and runs. And I'm, and I'm sure well, the it, idea it, is it that will. we're going to talk to lots of authors, illustrators, and then sort of try and talk to lots of other creative people in different yeah. places, you know, musicians, people that write scripts, you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. So we'll get lots of different stories. Well, if you're looking for um, a certain uh, Doctor Who audio reader, do not go through me. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Because that that will not work. enjoyed this podcast please do like and subscribe and i've been told that it really helps other people to find it and i would love as many children as possible to hear from these amazing creative people that i've talked to and to get inspired to pick up a pen a pencil get creative make up their own stories just like we've done so thanks very much for listening bye